Hi, and welcome to The Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. I'm Sarah Merle. And this week we're going to be talking about, well, there, I was going to add a lot of puns to this, but I decided to save them <laughs> until later. We're going to be talking about Riz. And for those what? of you yeah, who are- say, We're both old and- <laughs> I was going to, yeah, also do that same reflexive providing uh, of uh, a dictionary definition. And I think we should get this like out of the way, just as a disclaimer, yes. this is, like we are middle-aged officially. So like our definition of Riz will be based on things like people who have mortgages and joint pain, and yeah. it will be a categorically different um, definition of Riz than your average 22 year old. But like, we can't help them. So I think of this as we're teaching people about evergreen Riz. Riz that will be with you your whole life. <laughs> so would you like to provide the dictionary definition of Riz? Yeah. So uh, the kids would say Riz is like just your ability to attract whoever you want to attract. Right. And like the Riz is like being smooth and it's being charming, but it's also being like just kind of socially competent. Like, um, it's more, you know, like I would, I would assign being charming to more of like the pickup artist thing, but Riz is like, Riz is charm to the power of interactions thick with excess meaning. Does that make sense? Like it's yeah. very I love that. I think that's a great definition. So people who are looking for like, where did Riz come from? It's like a derivation of charisma. Yeah. Um, but it's taken on a life of its own. I would say the one thing I would add to yours is that it has a lot of aspects of what technically is called positive social affect, yeah. which is essentially you make people who interact with you feel good. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's why I like it as an idea because it's not like, as you said, in the pickup artist thing, it's not about, weaponizing it to like you know yes. get what you want yeah. right it's a description of this particular thing or skill that some people seem to have although we'll talk a little bit about that um so can you use riz in a sentence for those of uh <laughs> so that people who are our age uh who want to use riz in, in conversation don't feel don't sound really stupid uh mm. I mean, usually you're just kind of remarking like my man's got the Riz or my man's got Riz or the Riz is off the charts. And it's just like somebody who nailed a social interaction. And it's not just like, like I said, it's not just picking up women, right? It's like mm -hmm. it is it is something that is multi-gender. It's not like a necessarily gendered thing. Like women can have Riz. It's just like in the heterosexual context, it has a slightly different twang to it, if you will. Exactly. So- mm -hmm. Because most of my clients are male, I'm going to be coming at it, and I've been thinking and, and working primarily with men. It's going to be a little male Riz focused. <laughs> I was trying to think of like a short shorthand for male Riz, but the only one I could come up with was kind of gross, which was yeah. Rizm. Yep. Nope. 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 <laughs> not. Which That's is going to be an automatic downvote. I'm yeah. I'm asserting my veto power right now. Yeah, I I assumed. Um, so what I'm talking about, I just we'll have a follow up episode in the future when I've done a little more work um, uh, on female Riz, uh, <laughs> but it's going to be focused primarily on that. So the reason I bring it up is that this is something more and more of my clients literally using the term Riz <laughs> uh, 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 bring up to me. They're less like, I feel like I don't have any Riz, or I feel like one of them said, I feel like. I'm Rizless, <laughs> which other, was adorable and heartbreaking. <laughs> the other thing that's like difficult about Riz as much as charm, right? Is uh, like, it is something you kind of have to earn through a little bit of gauntlet test, right? Like it's, um, it's uh, being charming and being funny. Like for me, it came to me because I grew up last in a household of high volume, high intensity people. And so to become, to get any kind of power or attention, you better be bringing some, some, some whip smart jokes to the table. You know, you better be quick on your motherfucking feet. And, um, I guess like 
it matters too that the that the sort of social dynamics between genders are changing a lot now too and that will affect sort of what people take on as riz because it's so much more it is a cocktail and much like um if you've ever used creme de violette uh it tastes like soap and if you use it poorly it tastes like you just drank your mom's or your grandma's perfume right yeah. and if you poorly mix creme de uh, creme de violette uh, your cocktails just taste like you're drinking uh, French horse bath water, right? But if you do it well, it's just like this little like effervescent note. And I think the same thing goes with conversations about charm, Riz, if you will, which is like, first things first is like Riz is about subtlety, right? Like Riz is about subtlety and about it's about what you bring. And we're going to go back. I think, I feel like already mm -hmm. that we're going to have a lot of like comparing this to pickup culture. Like yeah, pickup culture is about using tools to manipulate another person into getting them to fuck you under essentially false pretenses. Yeah. Right. When I think Riz is, <laughs> we sound like such old people on NPR right now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh, don't worry. I'm soon, in like, you know, six months, they're going to invite us to go on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And we'll be like, oh, that's amazing. My lifelong dream. We did it. Um, <laughs> but I think Riz is about like what you bring to everybody's table, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not about sex. It's not about relationships. It's, um, I mean, people, listen, I realize this is probably a controversial figure to pull out of the ether, but people said this a lot about Bill Clinton that just like, mm -hmm. No matter if you were a man, obviously it made you feel very special if you were a woman because my man was horny. Is yeah. <laughs> um, men would say that about him too, that he was just like felt very um, intentional in his interactions with you. So I met Billy Bob. I had the great joy of meeting him uh, at, the at a screening of um, An Inconvenient Truth back in the day. Wow. So... Uh, you know, I'm sitting down in in the art theater with my then girlfriend, and uh, then like a whole bunch of Secret Service guys come in. Bill and Hillary sit in the back, make out during the whole movie. Uh, movie ends. Um, Hillary gets in an SUV and leaves, and Bill just like six, sticks around in the lobby of this art theater and just schmoozes with people for like two hours. Yeah. First guy who comes up to him shakes his hand and says, "You know, Mr. President, you probably don't remember me, but I campaigned for you when you were governor." running for governor for the first time and he says oh tom it's been forever how are and then names his wife and his two daughters holy shit and instantly everyone in the room in the palm of his hand but he didn't have to do anything else every single person in that room fell in love with him in that moment yeah because he's and, he was at some point the most important person in the world and he remembers yeah. this fucking guy from arkansas and so that that's exactly it because the key, this is like, I think rule number one of Riz, at least that I tell is that it's about increasing the value of other people around you. Yes. Not yourself. Love right? that. It's about making everyone else around you feel valuable and important and that, that uh, people care about them and pay attention to them. It's not about drawing attention to yourself, which is what the first thing makes it the opposite of like pickup culture, <laughs> yeah. right? Because yeah. pickup culture is all about like peacocking. Look at me. Yeah. Look at my high value Amy. and degrading the value of other people. Yes. yes. And why I like Riz as a concept is that, okay, I'll, get, I'll circle back in a minute, but it's because it's about making other people feel valued and seen and heard and cared for. And I, Bill Clinton, I think is a amazing example. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Yep is another person who spends hours memorizing names and faces Damn. so that unlike Bill, who like does a mind palace thing to remember mm -hmm. Dwayne um, just drills it, drills it, drills it so that when he, as he said, you know, I interact with, you know, dozens of people every day, but this might be the one time that they interact with me. Yeah. And if, if they see me again and I remember who they are, like, it will, it doesn't mean anything to me, but it means the world to them. And if yeah. I can do that and I can give that to people, then it's, it's worth my time and effort. Yeah. And, and Riz, uh, again, in, in direct foiling with pickup culture 
is ultimately dependent on the other thing is it's ultimately dependent on uh although we keep talking about like sort of strategies for remembering like memorization strategies is <laughs> is a lot different than like coming at things from a positive perspective that you want positive outcomes for everybody involved right like it's not about we keep coming back to this riz is not about you like charm mm -hmm. can be about you riz is ultimately not about you and and in that way of when you were talking about like pickup artists use devaluing of other people to increase their value right like okay there was this viral video that went mad crazy and this is like the first time that i encountered riz and it was middle schoolers so it was middle mm -hmm. schoolers and this little girl was so cute and she was like um oh i forget what they were asking like who is the cutest girl in school and what's her snapchat or something and she walked up to this just like this little boy and she asked him the question he goes you said the prettiest girl in school and she was like yeah and he's like well, what's your snapchat and like yeah she you could see, like she like tried to do the whole like whatever but like yeah. she was smiling and her cheeks were bright pink mm -hmm. and like that was a moment where like especially when little boys default to being mean when they ever they feel nervous right like he made her feel really good and like yeah. instead of engaging in this kind of catty like thing he was just like i'm gonna use this opportunity to tell you that number one i like you I am not afraid to tell you in front of all these people that I like you and I think you're pretty, right? Yeah. Like, oh my God. And and the comments on that video was like, man's got riz out the waz. Like my man gets it. And that was my thought yeah. too, is I was like, this child, this little mm -hmm. boy perfectly understands how to be charming and make other people feel valued and, and grab that opportunity when it was presented to him. I love this as an example. I've not seen that video, but that's like a perfect encapsulation because like, I think one of the reasons why Riz is like Riz has risen, has become a phenomenon, particularly now yeah. is that like people's social skills have atrophied in the wake <laughs> of the pandemic. It's <laughs> truly really true. Right. So things that we used to like sort of encounter more often now we're seeing them much more rarely. And so they stick out more. Um, yeah. And a lot of us, like our abilities have degraded socially so that we're just like, why, like, why can't I socialize normally anymore? Why can't I do this? Right. Uh, but I think that that little kid, like, God, well done, whatever your name is like, dude, yeah, you're a wizard, Harry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shows you that this is not it's not about big and flashy right Correct. it's not about um calling attention to yourself but instead he put the attention back on to her yes. and made her bigger yes. right and this yeah. i think is the key that fundamentally i think what a lot of men misunderstand about value and status in men and this goes back to a more traditional masculinity. I'm talking like some concepts of like chivalric masculinity. My example yeah. is Aragorn, right? Yeah. From Lord of the yeah. Rings. Yeah, great example. That Eric, what made Aragorn such a perfect man in Havriz, right? Everyone, I mean, Viggo Mortensen, <laughs> he helps. Looking like that helps, but it's not necessary, right? That he made the other people around him feel noble and valued and amazing, whether they were a hobbit, yeah. Um, or if you remember from the Fellowship of the Ring at the at the end of Boromir's life, when Sean Bean, you know, Rip, um, uh, <laughs> is dying from having been owned by Urukai, he's like, "I failed in my duty, right? You know, I wasn't able to save the hobbits." And Aragorn just holds his hand and said, "No, you fought valiantly, right? You ha you have kept your honor, oh. right? Right." And he's holding him with tenderness. He's not like, how dare you? You fucked up. Well, or, or like leave him be like, I have to get the hobbits. But no, he, he values this person despite all of his flaws and loves him and cares for him in a manly way. And I want to be very clear with people. Riz is not about like going to the girl you like, like that was a great example, but it's about treating everyone you come across. <laughs> right. Everyone you come across, 
with uh, with like care and tenderness and uh, and kindness. Um, so I want to go to rule of Riz number two. Um, I'm sort of like I'm, I'm they're out of the order I normally give them, but that's okay. The second thing I try to say, and I think I'm interested in your thoughts on this, that Riz isn't uh, isn't a thing you have. It's something you are. Yeah, yeah. And that if you try to perform it, but it's hollow, right? It doesn't yep. have the substance behind it. Then other people can read that. Yep. And the I mean, key is, is that if you feel you are Rizless, the key is making yourself the kind of person you would want to, you want to be. Correct. Yeah. Um, uh, Dale Carnegie describes this as getting interested in other people, right? And yeah. like, this is crucial to me, which is like, just sort of, um, there was like, uh, there was a guy that I met at a party who was really into, oh, fuck me. It was like this really particular kind of Japanese pencil. And I don't remember, mm. like someone had made a joke because he had hoarded them. Like he would buy them by like the case. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, they were all making jokes. It was like this, like a funny, just like a silly thing about their friend. And I was like, wait, wait, wait tell me about these pencils. Like I want to yeah. like, tell me about what is exceptional about this pencil. And he goes into this long about like how he has to take a lot of notes at his job. And like, they have to be in pencil. They can't be in pen. And like, this is just an exceptional black wing. That's what it was. The black wing. Ah. Pencil. And it was just this exceptional pencil. And that like, he got into this beautiful like discussion about like work is really hard, but every time you make it a little bit easier and more pleasurable, you can add pleasure back to your job, which I was like, what a really fascinating and interesting person. But it that struck me as like a Riz, no Riz sort of yeah. back and forth. Like the no Riz is our friend does this weird thing and he hoards this weird thing and he's really obsessed with these pencils, right? And then Riz is like, I would love to tell you about why I do this weird thing. And, and as they explain it in a non-condescending, just like, let me tell you my life's philosophy thing. You're like, oh, this guy's cool. Yeah, right? And- well, first of all, you know, I taught, taught test prep for a long time. So I think a, I thought a lot about pencils back in the day. <laughs> and let me tell you, the joy I get from that moment when your bubbling, your Scantron bubbling pencil reaches the exact right level of dullness. Yes. Where it's not too sharp, <laughs> but it's not too dull. Yeah. Instead, it's just like buttery smooth filling in that bubble. Like, mm, mwah. And like enjoying those moments were part of staying focused on test day for me anyway. So I understand the man who loves his pencils, like, <laughs> dude, tell me about it. But second, like I have, so some of my clients ask me, they have very specific interests, right? They tend to be, have very specific interests as a lot of people who are uh, neurodiverse do. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest problems they have with social interactions is just if someone's talking about something they don't know anything about or falls outside their specific interests, just like not really paying attention. Yeah. Right. But, or trying to yank the conversation. Always. But, back but to my whatever. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, 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 but mine, thing. but mine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so one thing I work on is instead working really hard to understand and to ask questions and be engaged with why this person loves this thing as much as you love X. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And like over time, as they practice it more, it starts to slowly expand their circle of interest because they might not like X, but yeah. they might learn something about X that they're just like, Oh, I, I can identify with that and I can make this connection. Right. What other things share this thread? That yeah. might be closer to, to, to what I've already been interested in, whether whether it's like movies or trains or whatever it might be. And um, I was thinking about your little man thing and his love of uh, fire engines, right? Yeah, yeah. And to me, that's something that someone who is neurodiverse, right, might really resonate with, yeah. right? Who, and they might not recognize it at first but when they actually dug into it they'd be like oh my god i totally understand this oh my oh my god the the first time or the our third date he went to show me a bunch of fire trucks like he was just like showing me and all the things that he knows about them 
God damn it. That was one of the sexiest fucking dates of my life. And it was just like, it did fascinate me, but like, I'm not, I'm not, I am not claiming any extraordinary amount of Riz. I've just been relatively successful romantically, but like, this is part of that, like being interested in other people. And then you just enrich a lot of experiences. And I think like, if you're, if you are calling yourself Rizless, then the sort of action item there would be go sign up for a class that's about something you know nothing about and never had an interest in. Like, right? Like, go have that humbling experience of beginner brain and learn to be interested in it. And also, like, there are so many opportunities. You know, risk to me is about ego durability. Mm. You know, the the riz, mm. the riziness is is like that kid that I was in the viral video that I was telling you about, like no matter what she could have said, he didn't care. He was going to let her know that she was pretty. And like, he was going to give her this, he was, he was going to have her, give her this moment of feeling special in front of all of her peers. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and even if she said, ew, gross or like, whatever, like that was not, that was not even in his mind. Right. Cause he was going to recover from that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is extraordinary for that young of a person, which is why and I want to note if she has that reaction, it doesn't look bad for him. No, exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, the other thing too, is that on a human perspective, truly going out, you know, like you, we are unfortunately talking about this in the sort of like distilled, you know, pickup artist fashion, but like, if you generally approach people with kindness and you want to give like take your power and then just transfuse it to them for a second, the only somebody reacting negatively like that, they only look like the asshole like that. Like, let me tell you, that is a, that is a a situation that is humiliation proof. If that's what you're worried about, right? Like if you're just pumping other people up and someone says like something asshole-ish to that i can't even imagine right then like the only thing they do is make an ass out of themselves so you truly can't go wrong i i i love that as a point and i'm stealing that um (laughs) because like (laughs) one of the biggest things uh you know when, when people who feel low value or they don't have confidence right is they're like how do i learn to project confidence and i'm like you learn to project confidence by becoming someone and comfortable with who you are. So no matter what, how other people react, you are, I think the word durable is a great one is that you're just, you're durable. It bounces off. You're like, Oh man, that was mean. And then you just like keep on trucking. And that's what I mean that like, you know, Riz is something you are is that like, if you're like, how do I be like that? And I'm just like, well, let's think about the goals you have. Let's think about, um, uh, uh, what you want to achieve, where you want to be, like how you want to look, how you want to feel. Let's work on those things. Yeah. And then once you're feeling great about where you are and what you're doing, like maybe, uh, you know, you, 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 you ran the 5k that you always dreamed of running. Maybe you started taking art classes that you were always too afraid to do. Like maybe you got, you, you applied for the job that, yeah. that you always wanted that's going to give you that durability Yep. so that when you put yourself out there, you know, when someone reacts negatively, you're just like, okay, you know, cause your value is not being derived by how this other person responds to you. You yep. already have it within yourself. And there is, you know, people say confidence is sexy. It's like, the reason is, is what it signals with that kind of confidence, effortless confidence, or what appears to be effortless confidence signals is that the person values themselves. Yep. That's it. Pretty straightforward, you know, yep. or, or like, I guess it was always so like, I'm a late in life sort of serious relationship bloomer. But part of that was because like, I'm, I don't know how much I've described it, but I come from like a pretty emotionally abusive household where it's just yeah. like, you will perform your emotions as they make me feel comfortable as your parent. Right. And that boy, yeah. howdy, that'll fuck up your whole situation in terms of just like negotiating relationships, especially early on. But, um, and I had a lot of like deep confidence issues. And so I really intentionally set out to build a strong foundation of close friendships so that there would always be, a loving, kind, appreciative place for me to fall, which made it so much less scary to risk that in a relationship. Cause like, 
I really like my single life without any men in it whatsoever. Cause like my friends are the people who proverbially will push my wheelchair and I know they would. Right. So like I have this bed of support to fall back on. I don't need a man for anything except for, do we like each other? Do we want to hang out? Yeah. So one of the best, you know, I have a little game with some of my friends where we set, where we share the best and the worst, like of dating profiles that we come across. Amazing. And one of the best ones, uh, one of the best answers to a question, like one thing like I dream of or like one relationship goal or something like that. And the answer was to have a home in a relationship where our friends just want to come over and hang out and have and have meals with us whenever. I love that. Right. Like, yeah, like you want a place where they know that you love each other. Right. Yeah. But also that with no matter what's going on, whether it's for a reason or not, they're going to come over and they're just feel loved. Yeah. You know, um, and like that they're safe and they're and it's fun and it's nice and there's yummy food and it's like thumbs up. And like that's such a great answer. And I want to contrast that with uh, an answer. <laughs> so I'm just going to note here. This is a over six foot tall guy, mm -hmm. super fit, super fit, super good looking. And he has a little, um, like th one thing you should know about me. He's like, or, or one thing I'm looking for in a partner. So it's one thing I'm looking for in a partner. And the answer was so sad. And it was, I want a partner who's not worried about, you know, size, you know, like penis size, uh, because, uh, you know, I'm not big. And, uh, but you know, it's not the size that matters. It's the motion of the ocean. <laughs> and so. I'm just shocked. I'm sorry. I'm just yeah. sitting here with my hand over my mouth. Cause I'm, sh I'm shook. It anyway. is brutal. Right. Listening to it made me sad. Um, yeah. made me sad for him. I just wanted to give that man a hug and be like, and just be like, okay, we need to, we have some things to work on because <sighs> first, so what's wrong with that? Just give me your gloss. I'm interested in so, your gloss. What is wrong with this? Why is that anti-Riz? I can explain this from personal experience, yeah. which is like, um, I dated, I've dated multiple men who are on the small side and like two of them, I did not notice because of all the other things that they were also really good at. If you get yeah. my kids, um, but there was one who just always made jokes about it and it made it obvious to me that this was the most important thing to him. Yeah. And if you are so concerned about it, and I'm also to this guy, I'm really sorry for all the partners who probably bought, brought this up like during breakups or in some way that was really hurtful. Cause I'm sure that's also how you get to this point, mm -hmm. but it's, it's upsetting when it's the headline, you know, like yeah. it's also just like, well, I, you know, you're a whole person, a whole person is like a whole bunch of things, right? Like, and you're not with a person solely because their dick is gigantic. Uh, and it's sad because it's clear to me that this person feels very defined by this, yeah. like very much feels like their value is, is wrapped up in this. And also their probably physical fitness is like their yeah. way of like trying to compensate for that. Or, you know, what all of the screams is like, I, I lift my, the shell from which the snail of my personality emerges <laughs> is a shell of penis insecurity. Yeah. <laughs> and it, also, there is nothing in that one thing you need to know about me, right? Or what I'm looking for in a partner that would make the other piece, person feel good about yes. themselves. It's about him. It's 100% about him. And also something he's trying to project confidence. And what made me feel so sad for him is that in the attempt to loudly declare it, it is what we call a self-negating statement in the saying of it you are proving that it is not true right um so oh. this is why so for any of you who try to emulate you know eminem at the end of eight mile 
right? Just say all the mean things that the other person's going to say about you ahead of time so they have nothing to rap about, right? Uh, yes. First of all, you're not in a rap battle. Second of <laughs> all, <laughs> second of all, the only reason that works in the movie is that we already know that he's Eminem. Correct. That's, ex- that's exactly right. Oh, that's very, very well put, Matthew. Um, And and this is where, uh, you know, this is one of, this is my ironclad rule of self-deprecating humor. Self-deprecating humor only works from a position of strength. Correct. Otherwise, it's not a joke. Um, (laughs) It's like, I suck, says Tom Brady. Like, okay, that's funny. I suck, says, I don't know, like every Jets quarterback since like I've been born. Like, that's just sad because it's true. Um, oh, shit. So, like, I think that the the biggest thing people can do, like, uh, uh, in uh, that I, I'm just going to say this for men, right? For, for a man or a woman, right? If you're insecure about something about your body or something yeah. about yourself, right, is, again, Look at what you actually value about yourself, the things that you're actually proud about and start small, right? Um, Like I'm proud that I know, I'll I'll say, uh, let's each do it. So like, so what, Sarah, what's one thing that you feel proud about? I mean, in the sense that uh, people really trust me with really difficult situations in their lives and uh, people that I don't even know very well will sometimes seek me out and say, like, I don't have anybody else in my life that I feel comfortable talking about this with. Like, do you think you'd give me some advice? Uh, I really trust you and I really think that you could help me out. Like, that's a, that's like the meaning of life right there for me, you know? Damn, that's a really good one. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I am one of the I am one of those people. Like, so <laughs> I was going to say, Sarah, thank you, because like that is so true. It really is so true. <laughs> okay, so you're going to ask for me, right? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Well, with, for, and you? And you too, Tom Bien? Yes. Yes, and. Um, uh, so one thing I really value about myself is um, I go out of my way. Go out of my way um, to uh, give my time and attention and focus to the people I'm with. Yeah. Right. Whether it's my first time meeting them or it's like my brother, right. That yep. I work really hard on being present and not distracted so that they know they have uh, my full attention. And if they don't, if something happens and like shiny object, like I just, I'm like, Hey, can you give me one minute? So I, I let them know, right. Yeah. Uh, that I value them. I just need one second to go talk to this other person or chase a rabbit. Um, <laughs> and so that there's never any confusion. Or people yeah. know that, like, I'm not intentionally ignoring them or something like that. That is one thing I really value about myself. Or could be, and I say, like, for us, we've done this sort of work before, but it can be something small. Like, the first time I remember, fuck, I remember the first time I did this with the therapist. Um, I was, uh, the first time I was in therapy, and I'm sitting in uh, the home office for my first therapist, and he was a guitar player, you know, so we're just sitting around, just like idly plucking at guitars, and he's like, what's one thing that you uh, value? Because I was struggling uh, to come up with things. He's like, how about something about you and the guitar? I'm like, I guess I'm proud of the fact or, you know, uh, proud of the fact or value the fact that I can make up silly songs on the guitar at the drop of a hat about any topic. Yep. Right. You can start there. Yeah. Right. And people are like affirmations are bullshit or whatever, but like the, the, thing about doing that is that you know we're talking about like your own internal value of yourself yep is that no matter how worthless you feel at any moment if you look there are so many great things about you yep and then take that right as you say those things and say like how can i get even better at that (laughs) right so I went from I can write silly pop punk songs, right, about any topic to like, can I make the, uh, can I choose a slightly more complicated musical genre, right, to be able to write silly songs about, yeah, right, and that builds your confidence even more. Now I can also write like little country folk songs. All right, yeah. sweet, um, <laughs> right, and just go from there. And it's it's just an incremental process, you know, day by day by day. Um, 
of like saying, you know what? What do I value about myself today? I value the fact that like my hair looks fucking amazing today. Right. <laughs> let me think about, and then you're like, let me think about what I did differently today yeah. so that I can make sure my hair looks, you know, this great as often as I can. Yeah. And, and if you're, if you're like me and you struggled because when you grew up, people were like, no, you're fine. Like, you're fine. We're not disappointed. I mean, it would be better if you were like this, but like, you're fine the way you are. Uh, using the word, like I was, or using the, like the phrase, like I was doing the best I could with the tools that I had, right? Like I was, I built the best possible thing I could build with a broken hammer and a screwdriver with no handle on it. You know, like if you construct a shitty little doghouse with two broken tools, that is impressive. That's impressive. And like, uh, if you did grow up in like, just let's say not the most ideal emotionally developing environment, right? Like mm-hmm. you're going to end up with a lot of stuff that in retrospect or go through, like you'll, you will have more 2.0, 3.0, 4 versions of yourself. And I think sometimes it's easy to get bogged down and like, the, I can't believe I did that. Or like the, that was so stupid. Or I was, you know, you didn't know what, you know, what you knew today. Right. And like, mm-hmm. I'm throwing this on the Riz pile. Like part of the Riz is, is, forgiving yourself for what you did yesterday and trying to do a little bit better today, but also and crucially not spending a lot of time beating yourself up about it, you know? So that's actually my third rule of Riz is the only comparison that matters is you today to you yesterday. Perfect. That's it. Um, that like, I use Viggo Mortensen. I use Aragorn as a great example, because when I was a kid, I wanted to desperately look like Viggo Mortensen or James Dean, or Clint Eastwood, like the most mm-hmm. rugged, most handsome mm-hmm. motherfuckers in the world. And this is a, you know, podcasting being a, a very uh, uh, visual medium. Um, those of you who can't, who, those of you who know me know that I have an extremely round face, like <laughs> the roundest uh, face you'll ever see. I will never look like a rugged, handsome, you know, Viggo Mortensen. It's just not in the cards, right? <laughs> Uh, I'm Korean. That's just the way it is. Um, So the key there was shifting my focus from, I wish I looked like them. Yep. Right. To saying, how can I make work with what I have? So I get better looking or I feel confident in the way I look or I'm happy with the way I look. Um, How can I do that? And I'm going to say Thursday, I had a date. And I looked in the mirror and I'm like, my haircut sucks. And I hadn't been happy with it for a long time. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to splurge. I have two hours in between my last client and uh, my date. I'm going to find a stylist who specializes in Asian hair. I'm going to pay the money for them to fix this. (laughs) And I walked out of there feeling like a million bucks. Yep. Right. And I felt it wasn't, I wasn't. Notice that the key there wasn't saying, oh man, I still wish I looked like Viggo Mortensen after this haircut. It was where I am better looking now than I was 35 <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> Those are my another favorite of my genres. Like, Also, what the one thing that I think that men really miss out on is like, yes, does it suck that like as a woman you're held to an unfair beauty standard? You got to spend a lot of time money on it, blah, 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 blah. Yes, 100%. I get it. But also when you do go get your nails done and you get your roots taken care of and you come out of there and you are feeling your motherfucking self, like that is a genderless feeling. And I think if you're one of these men, that's like, Oh, I feel rizless, like book an appointment at a barbershop, get a haircut from like, like go look at people's haircuts that you like, and then go look at them on Instagram and see like, ah, this barbershop cuts the haircut that I want Mm -hmm. and go do the whole thing. Say like, I want you to cut my hair. I also want you to tell me how to style it. Like then go to an actual men's clothing store, like an independent clothing store. And you're like, hello, sir. Will you help me look less dumpy? And that guy would love it. There are so many parts of Riz and attracting other people that can be helped by throwing a few hundred bucks at it. Quite frankly, you know, Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. And putting your ego to the side and listening to other people who you admire. Right. So there was this, uh, so when I was, I was 24 and I'd moved to Chicago and I was like, my partner at the time was in the fashion industry and I did not, whenever I went to events, I looked, I felt like I looked like shit. 
So I was walking by uh, this men's clothing store on my way after work one day, and I saw one of the people working there. And he was this, uh, like, around my age, this, like, tall, beautiful black man. And he just oozed class, right? Yep. And I'm like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk in there and ask him to help me. Yeah. So his name is Saint. And he's just <sighs> looked, he looked at me and he's just like, I can help you. That sounds fun. And oh. so he started walking me through how to work with my skin tone yep. and choose unusual colors that don't scream that you're trying, but yep. will pop, right? Yep. Given what I'm working with. And then how to match those colors to my tie and yeah. a collar. And he said, and how did then make that work with a pocket square if I wanted? And it was like the most useful hour of my life. Yeah. Um, and of course I bought stuff from him. I yep. bought, I had him lay out and I took some pictures of like different sample outfits and I bought one of them. And when I showed up to the next industry event, I felt amazing. Yeah. Because I was like, Saint got my back. This is great. And <laughs> when I showed up, like, people are just like, oh, man, like, you look so good today. Like, like, good uh, job. Where did you go? I'm just like, go to this place. Talk to Saint. And there's like, oh, that's awesome. They weren't just like, you're cheating by getting help, right? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, also, fuck cheating by getting help. They said, where did you go? You said, oh, you go to this uh, shop on uh, 64th. You're going to talk to a guy named Saint. That's the coolest yep. possible reply. Go mm -hmm. see my dude Saint at this badass store where I got these clothes. Like, you know, uh, listen, if you're like me, you struggle with asking for help. This is, this is the inverse of what asking for help actually does. Like, you're a guy who knows a guy. Now mm -hmm. you're a guy who knows a guy, right? Like, you're not fumbling around, you know, wondering what the fuck to do. You have a person that you can go to that you can trust. And you can have, like, three or four of these people. And it's the best thing about seeing experts. Getting your hair cut by a professional. The whole point is, all they do all day is look at people's heads. That's <laughs> yeah. all. <laughs> yeah, right. And now also, note what, bring it back. You have increased the value of the person you're talking to. Because yeah. now they know a guy. And they're going to go there and feel better about themselves. And Saint, right? He's going to feel better. He's getting people coming in, asking directly for him, sharing yes. his expertise. He might say, how do you know to ask for me? He's like, oh, because Matt, Matt told me. Right? Yes. And so the key there is by making yourself, by making other people feel better about themselves, feel more valued and more confident, some of that comes back to you. And you don't yeah, do babe. it because it does, but I just want to show how, if you want to see why some people are like the center of, of uh, friend networks or professional circles, it's because they serve that function. They're connecting all the people around uh, them to each other, making their lives better. And it's not a secret. It's mm. literally just having the generosity, yeah. right? Yeah. To share the... There's an old saying about writers that writers are beggars who tell other beggars where to look for bread. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man, Matt, that got like, me right in the kneecaps. And like recognizing oh. that that's where everyone is, right? Yeah. We're all trying to show each other where the bread is because in some way everyone is starving. Yeah. Right. Okay. Be that person. Share that bread. Show them where to get it. I, I keep uh, the my the word my brain keeps bringing back up is like Riz is just like the non Yiddish mensch right like yeah. the, <laughs> like, like maybe you can describe mensch menschness better than I can but like I always think of it as like you know when you when when someone describes somebody else as like ah what a mensch they mean somebody who is like interested in everybody winning right yeah. and like will do what they can and it's not like it's not like a Herculean effort like like someone wants to describe me as a mensch and I said, I just know a lot of people and I just put them in contact with each other, which is like mm -hmm. exactly what that is. You know? I, I love that. And it's in a way where you're decentering yourself. Yeah. You're not saying I'm the expert. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the, the ironic thing is, is by decentering yourself, you make yourself the center. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You create this entire wheel of connections Yes. With you, where all the lines connect with you. 
Yeah. And like, right? And this and and the, there's only one way to really do this. Again, you won't know anything about other people unless you are interested, you ask and you pay attention. That's it. Right? And this is not something that is impossible. This is mm-hmm. something every single person can achieve. Mm-hmm. Right? This isn't about your jawline, it's not about your height, it's not about having the perfect voice, it's not about, you know, the right <laughs> fucking facial proportions or size of your head or whatever the bullshit is, right? Yeah. You don't have to take creatine and work out all the time. <laughs> In fact, please don't. Yeah, please. In fact, please don't. Like if you talk to the vast majority of women, like we don't like the super huge, we don't like, you know, huge and the creatine with the abs and the, we don't care. We really don't care. Because, <laughs> so remember, it's about how you make other people feel. Yeah. I, I right. also like, so I, my little sweet little boo thing mm-hmm. um, took me out with the wilderness club and we set out a uh, little pumpkin lanterns, which like kids go on. It's called, it's called the hauntless hike, I think. And they put little lanterns out and it's cute. It's in Holiday Park. It's free. Like, you know, public parks are like a huge source of like childcare and entertainment for people who are low income. And so it was just, it was really nice. And also it was a beautiful day and, you know, it was nice doing things for other people, which is also my eight, like this, listen, if you're listening out there, my sweet darling, this one goes out to you because this motherfucker is so sexy. And if all I saw was just his picture, I'd still be on board. When I say that the tidal wave of this man's kindness and care for his community, like, swamped the fuck out of his gorgeous, handsome face. But, like, if you need practice in doing this, there are so many organizations that need help. Um, And the kind of people that you encounter in these groups, I call it a Saturday morning give a shit club because it's just, like, people who give a shit about something. Because we ran into another group who's out there clearing the trails of invasive plants. And I was like, hey, Saturday morning give a shit club. Uh, is those groups are full of interesting, charming people, and that these two things are connected. So if you're like, I'm Rizless, what do I do? Go work with people, go volunteer somewhere, and work at an organization where they've had volunteers working for them for 20 years. Those people will give you Riz, and on top of that, they'll give you gratitude for whatever situation that you're in, and that also adds to the Riz pile. I I think that's a one. That's it, it's it's so true that like. I'm going to get into the research very lightly. So yeah, Kinsey Institute, the sex research institute in uh, Indiana, right? The, the world-renowned yes. uh, Kinsey Institute. Um, they do research on what different people find attractive. And so they were looking at visual stimuli that uh, they were they're focused on heterosexual men and women. And heterosexual men were relatively predictable. They found that (laughs) pictures of naked women were extremely arousing, even when they were contextless. Um, And they measured this by like blood flow to the groin, like pupil dilation, respiration, blood pressure, all those things. For heterosexual women, a contextless picture of a naked man, even a very attractive naked man, was about as arousing as a picture of a mailbox. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and much like mailboxes, men can be full of explosives, poison, you know, <laughs> so, you just never know. So, uh, Sarah, the, what picture of a man did heterosexual women find the most attractive? So they are wearing something and they are doing something. So what oh, are okay. they wearing? Well, they're wearing useful garments. And they're uh-huh. working with somebody who needs their help. So either a baby or an old person, I would assume. Perfect. So the baby is dead on. The thing they're doing is holding a baby. Yep. With a birth and, cloth. Is that what it is? And the what they're wearing is any kind of uniform. Doesn't matter <laughs> what uniform. <laughs> so the uniform can be everything from a doctor's, like white, uh, like white doctor's coat to a firefighter uniform, to a business suit. Interesting. Right? So a man holding a baby in any kind of uniform was by far the most arousing for heterosexual women. And the theory behind this is that it shows two things. It shows first, social connection and prestige. Right? They're showing they're part of some group or profession. 
And those groups or professions are prestigious in some way. It doesn't note that the prestige between a man in a business suit, a doctor, and like a firefighter are all very different types of prestige, but they're all part of some community. They're doing something. They're an active, valuable member of their community. And two, they are showing strength through compassion. Yep. Right? Because they are caring for this helpless child. Yeah. That is like when I try to say like, what is Riz? Right? (laughs) It's someone who's connected in their community, who has some level of prestige derived from what they do and who they are. And they are showing care, love, and kindness, right? In this case to a baby, but to other people who are, uh, in this case, like who are defenseless or, or have less capacity than they are. Matthew, my loins are getting tingly hearing yeah. you give this description because I'm like, yes, yep. I'm like going down my boo things checklist, like, yep, yep, yep. yep. And again, okay. that that is a take. Literally, every single person out there. Every heterosexual male out there listening to this is like, they should recognize that that is definitely something they can achieve. Yeah. Yes. 100% that's achievable. And you don't have to, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, how tall you are, how, how good looking you are. Like, no, by developing and cultivating those characteristics in your life, becoming that person, right? That useful strong, um, uh, caring person. That, that is is what creates risk. Yeah. Right. 100%. And my other thing is a first responder. And the thing I, you know, I was like, I don't really care about that. I just don't even care. I just don't even care. And then the more he started telling me stories about like what actually helping means. Like we, you know, the thing, like the greatest thing we have in common is this concept that like helping is not very sexy and also helping often doesn't look like what you think it should look like. And it very rarely means that someone's going to give you like a cookie or a medal afterwards. You know what I mean? Like crucially, if you go into it expecting a reward or recognition, like we're already off on, on the wrong track. Um, But like when, You know, women are looking for someone to have hard times with, not because we are going to make hard times, because life happens and hard times, boy, they are coming. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that as you age, you more and more find yourself desiring of men who are good at handling complex, emotionally complex situations, right? Which is like holding space. And like, I remember, oh my gosh, this is going to make me cry. One of my like, uh, it's already putting tears in my eyes is I remember I was going through a really hard time. I had just gone through this humiliating breakup and I was like going out to my first like public event and I was an editor and I was trying to be like young and sexy in twenties when I just wanted to die, you know, like I just wanted to go die. Mm-hmm. And the coolest guy in town um, was there who like, I had such a crush on at the time and uh, I started crying in front of him. And I remember thinking like, I can't believe I'm crying in front of this person. Like, and he looked right at me and he put his hand on my shoulder and he's like, you know, the great things about hard times that they just don't last. And sometimes you got to cry at a restaurant in front of a bunch of people. And that's just part of it. And like the relief that washed over me, right? Like, of course this increased my attraction fucking tenfold. Oh yeah. Like, but you know, Riz is also, it's that durability that we're talking about. Right. It's that like my charm, my charm and my ability to connect with you is not built on creating this artificial sort of comedic moment, right? Like it's not about like being the funniest, snappiest guy, right? It is having the elasticity and durability to have these, you know, space holding moments where you are not afraid of whatever complexity pops up. You're there for it because you're there for people. Um, And I still think of that can I tell one more story about the most fantastic moment? Please. So in high school or between high school and college, we were underage drinking at my friend's uh, parents' house, of course, grandparents' house. Statute of limitations is run. Ha ha. Ha ha. And there's two people who are part of our, who were not part of our group that we hung out with, but happened to live there. Love to like show off that they were fucking. I don't know if you guys know about sex, but we're doing it and we're doing it everywhere all the time. Yeah. So these two people walked through our party wearing nothing but towels to go to the bathroom that was in our, in this party so they could fuck in the shower. 
And we were all laughing about it because, like, guys. And we dared my friend Taylor to run in there and tap on the glass shower door and just, like, run away. Just like a little prank. Well, he does. And the boyfriend comes out and he's fuming. And he, like, threatens to, like, he's like, let's go outside. Let's go. Let's go. And he's also wet and standing there in a towel. Which, like, if you want to look <laughs> tough, least prepared person to have a fight, do it wet in a towel. Um, and he comes out and he's like, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go outside. And Taylor goes, I'm not going to fight you. Like, what? He's like, we're underage drinking in someone's parents. Do you want to get the cops called here so we can all get a public intox ticket? And then the cops will always drive by here and will never be allowed to have a, a party here ever again. Like, also, guy, get over it. Like, yeah. come on. It's a prank. Get over yourself. And like. At the before that moment, I thought that the most masculine, in control thing he could have done is fight him and beat him. Right yeah. in that moment, the paradigm shift of like, oh my god, the most powerful thing he could do is like, cut, don't be an idiot. Like, yeah. stop. Look, you're being quit it. Stop. Yep. That was the most masculine thing in that moment. It was the most riztastic. I was like, wait, is he sexy to me now? Like, is that all it took for him to be sexy? Is like to be preserving of everybody's benefit yep he yep. was not going to put his own ego and his own pride or let this man goad him crucially into putting his own ego and pride before the greater good before the greater altruistic benefit of all of us and in that moment of stating like i'm not going to ruin this for everybody because you're mad at me for a dumb prank was like woo. oh my goodness this is like a whole new different kind of thing that i didn't know existed yep Oh, I love that. Uh, I love that. Like, I think you put it perfectly. Like, he's going to just preserve the party for everyone. I, it's not about his pride. It's not about his ego. It's not showing he's like big, strong alpha male, like pound <laughs> chest, beat down other monkey. Like, no, like he's caring for everyone there. And that's what makes it great. And like, I hope that people have been listening to this other than taking away that we are desperately middle-aged now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hope they take away that like one reason why you and I stay engaged with culture, right? Yeah. Why this stuff matters, right? Yeah. Is that, it, I think it does take a little bit of experience and wisdom to like really break down these sort of cultural phenomena in a way that is useful so that yeah. um, other people can, can like say like, even though if they can grok it, even if they can sort of like understand it like vaguely having a more specific understanding of it definitely helps you then say, no matter who you are, what point of life you're in, I think that there are excellent uh, opportunities for growth and self-reflection um, here. And like whether, no matter who you are, um, uh, and like, thank you, Sarah, for agreeing to do this episode. I'm sure we'll do a follow up uh, in the future because I think it's an interesting topic and I want to talk about it more from like, I, I haven't done enough uh, research and focus on it from like the differences between male and female Riz. <laughs> uh, but I think that there are, you know, there's a spoiler alert. There'll probably be references to the Barbie movie Uh <laughs> In 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 the, in the episode about female Riz, but I think for the listeners out there, so if you want to help us out, like send in your thoughts first of all on Riz generally and what we've said, and second, like give us examples uh, of Riz that you've seen in your life. Um, if you have examples that you like, their YouTube videos or audio clips, like send them to us, please. That'll be super helpful. Um, and Riz, uh, an illustrated guide. It is an illustrated guide. I love that. I'm going to we'll get that out for the holidays. Um, but before we jump in and talk about Metal Honey, you can send those in at Perp Stew on the platform formerly known uh, as Twitter. Um, and as always, like, subscribe, share. Um, all of that helps us out. Leave a rating and review if you like it. If you didn't like it, like then, you know, just don't don't leave a review or a rating. That, that, that's fine, too. But Sarah, speaking of things. I like metal honey. Tell me about it. Uh, as always, you can get my hot honey brand. The, the uh, flagship product is scorpion honey. And we just repackage and relabel for uh, national wholesaling. 
Um, so now we can leave the state of Indiana. Wow. Um, we're waiting for, um, I mean, I don't have to wait for them, but uh, you, the, eventually the USDA will um, inspect our facility. Uh, but we're labeled up. We have a low risk product. So we're just going to go for it. Ask for uh, forgiveness rather than permission as usual. Um, so if you have a store in your area that's a specialty grocery store, um, that is like a gift store, that is like, a, you know, a deli or something like that, um, if they stock independently made products, uh, head over to metalhoney.com and in the little chat feature, uh, shoot me that the name of your favorite store and I will uh, investigate. I would really appreciate that. I love it. And everyone, like seriously, make sure that you can get your supply. Share the gift of Metal Honey with others. <laughs> they make wonderful holiday gifts. Um, they do. They actually do. Uh, consumables, if you're confused about what to get for somebody, a consumable is always the way to go. Uh, they eat it and they throw it away and they don't have to store it for years. So great. And it's something they will use because yes. I've given, uh, you know, my family's given uh, Metal Honey as, uh, I think we've given mostly Scorpion Honey uh, as a, or the samplers, um, as gifts to the, our foodie friends and every single one of them <laughs> has absolutely adored it. That's awesome. So, Thank yeah. you for that. So all the people out there who are looking, uh, who need help shopping for people, uh, who love food, here you go. They're free of charge. <laughs> Just go. Not, the advice is free of charge, not the honey, <laughs> but go to metalhoney.com. Uh, use coupon code perps too. That's right. Right. And uh, help support the show and also get some delicious hot honey. I would appreciate um, it. Thank you. Yeah. So that's going to do it for us this week. This has been The Perpetual Stew. Uh, I'm Matthew Goodman. And I'm Sarah Merle. And until next time, stay curious. Bye.